0: Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight.
1: (laughs) Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. Great! You've probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you,
0: we're stuck in the '80s. Sure, it's not
1: 1985 right now, but who knows
0: what tomorrow will bring?
1: Come on, guys, let's harmonize. I've been it on the radio. Rudy, you did it! Oh, well, hey, uh, oh, sure. <laughs>
0: Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears and Brad in LA. And can you listen to this
2: song without thinking about raisins? Steve, not just any raisins. We're not talking about Oklahoma raisins or Rhode Island raisins. No, these are California raisins. Yep, it's our show on classic ad campaigns from our beloved decade.
0: Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And you can listen to the podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at
2: clnsmedia.com. Steve, we wouldn't even try to tackle a topic this deep without two of our bestest podcast buddies. It's Jen with one N. Hello. And Gail in DC. Hello. So, Gail, this was your idea for a
0: show. Explain to people how you came up with it.
3: Well, we were talking about the Super Bowl. There are many people who watch the game for the fun of the game, but there's also a lot of people who watch the show to see the commercials. And many famous commercials have debuted during the Super Bowl, so we started talking about that and famous commercials and annoying commercials from the 1980s. And we thought, why not do a show on memorable commercials from the 1980s?
0: Drink warmers! Jerry, girl, where's the beef? Excuse me. What color is Michael Jackson? Black. Yeah. Perfect. It's a great idea. We have, um, from time to time, been using commercials, usually after the seggies, just kind of like, just sort of a, a fun trip to the past. little palate cleanser. Yeah, exactly. Brad's always got the right words. I know you use words right. Is to talk hard. So we thought... <laughs> yeah. So we'll do a whole show, so we figured... We have the whole decade to draw from, so we're going to need four co-hosts, so this is going to work out great. Everyone's got two commercials they're going to profile today, and we'll have some fun. We'll play some uh, commercials that you probably haven't heard in a few decades and tell you the stories about them. I
1: love it when a plan comes together.
0: So let's uh, cast our minds back 40 years. A lot of changes took place in the advertising business in the 80s, and I know this because I was an advertising major for three whole weeks in college. Wonderful time of my life. Yeah. Wow. There, I went to Florida to be an accounting major, realized it required math, dropped that, became a telecommunication major, realized that meant my life would be on TV, became an advertising major. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what, what, what did you realize after three weeks? <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know. I think about that time I saw the movie, she's having a baby with uh, Kevin Bacon, where he looks like the most miserable ad man in the world, and I just decided that probably wasn't the right call. You think you can make something of yourself? I think I could make something of myself. How do
1: you feel about slave wages? Slave wages are fine.
2: I thought maybe you were just going down the book <laughs> alphabetically from accounting to advertising.
0: Well, I did I did briefly <laughs> consider marketing before settling on journalism. So, But it's true. The 80s brought a lot of different changes to the advertising business. First of all, you have to think about VCRs. Uh, they made a huge impact on the way we watched movies. And I think I, I told that story where my mom made me sit by the VCR during the... F- finale of mash while we taped the show she made me turn it off during the commercial so that at the end of the night she would have a pristine version of the finale without any commercials nice she was basically the advertiser's worst case scenario you had cable tv taking away the stranglehold on the markets that the networks had you had uh, networks like home shopping network and qvc come in and be able to sell goods direct to viewers and bypass traditional advertising channels. And then you also had infomercials, which I'm not sure if they were invented in the 80s, but it sure feels like it.
2: Well, I think once you got the cable marketplace where you had so much more kind of content available, not not so much more content, so many more outlets that there was suddenly all this airtime available like what can we do with this long form commercials i mean there was you know the kids today won't believe you when you say this but there was a time when you know tv stations went off the air at night and nobody does that anymore because they can you know they can run infomercials which they do with great relish
0: (laughs) has anybody here ever bought anything off of an infomercial
4: I don't think so. I think I bought something in the 90s. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. It was, a, oh my gosh, I remember. Billy Blank's Tyvo. <laughs> sure,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course.
4: The fact that I just confess that is is, uh, is very alarming to me. But yeah, so that's kind of a 90s thing. So move on, everyone move on. <laughs> I do remember
2: that there was a time when I was you know, helping feed the, the youngins in the overnight. And, you know, maybe you'd have the TV on. That's an infomercial and Like at that hour, your brain isn't really firing quite right. And some of the stuff you're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I do need one of those. Th- like, how could I eat vegetables the old way? I need this new thing to prepare my vegetables. I, I never actually bought it, though.
4: Ginsu knives. That's 80s, right? Oh, that oh, happened yeah. in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I know. Direct, bought- yeah. Direct response advertising. That was yeah. a big thing. Yeah.
4: Well, Home Shopping
0: Network used to be based in my hometown. So it's it's based in Clearwater. They have the big studios right there. I remember my mom was addicted to it. She would always be watching it. <laughs> and the big thing that they sold in the early days were these rainbow swiffers, I think they were called. <laughs> or That's basically what they are. They're just basically dusters, but they were in rainbow colors. And they just sold like crazy. And we had about 10 of them in our house all the time. <laughs> 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 so... I know firsthand uh, the effects of what this stuff can do to your brain. But let's dig into some of our own favorites. So let's start with you, Jen. What's one of your favorite uh, ad campaigns from the 80s?
4: Well, when we were talking about this topic, I, I sort of just l- let my gut lead me. And it led me to um, like, what what was an earworm? And I just thought, you know, what's a commercial that I can't, when I hear it, stop humming it or singing it? I don't know if you know this one, but it's Milk It Does a Body Good.
1: Milk, it does. Milk, it does a body. Milk, it does a body good. Uh, Pass it on. What'd you say? Picks you up any time of day. Gives you fuel so you can clean. Gives (laughs) you calcium and vitamin D. It It does. It's cool and clean. (laughs) Can keep you fit. Can keep you lean. Milk, it does a body good.
4: Milk it does the body good. Oh, pass it on. Do you guys remember this oh, yeah, sure. commercial? Yeah. This, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So I, I love milk. I do. This commercial, however, <laughs> is so annoying to me. I think I loved it at the time, but anyway, it, it uh, it started running, in I I have in my research for this in 1982. I remember it being a little bit later kind of during Pee Wee's Playhouse Hours, which put would put it in sort of the mid to late 80s. But then I learned it, it ran for 12 years, this campaign. Wow. Holy cow. I God. know, I know. So if you That's remember, it's of sort of like... This is, I know. Well, th- I, I think the commercials that we're going to talk about are going to probably have a lot of those earworms because easier on a podcast too. But if you'll remember that there, there was like kind of montages of like kids and goofy images of like singing at giraffes <laughs> and multicolored cows and, and sort of the idea often would be like, little kids being bullied, and then they would drink milk because it does the body good, and then become big and strong and wear tank tops and bike shorts. That's what I recall.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's oddly specific, Jen. Yeah, it's very specific. Yes, well,
4: it's, I, I have some very specific <laughs> memories of that as I was doing this research, and, and I'll, I'll pass it on after this. But I came across a media article from the New York Times in 1994. So Milk It Does the Body Good was produced by McCann Erickson, Originally paid for by the California Milk Advisory Board, but I guess it was so successful that everybody, all all the dairy farmers nationwide wound up picking it up for more than a decade, evidently. But I love this quote by this guy. He says, it reminds them of why they didn't want to drink milk in the first place. He's criticizing this, right? This is the guy who in the early 90s followed that campaign with, can anybody guess?
2: Uh, Got milk. Got Milk. Got Milk was the next one. Mm.
4: Which, yeah, I mean, and that is still running. If you go to Key West and go to any t-shirt shop, <laughs> there's, there's every... Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I am so mad at Got Milk because every other... It's just... I don't know. Business, nonprofit, product, yeah. you name it, started doing that got blank question mark. And I'm so tired of it after a couple of decades now Steve, of this, right? It's got still podcast. going. Yeah oh my gosh okay we can stop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway yes <laughs> so I, uh, I did want to mention this one too because I love milk
0: Brad how about you give us a memorable ad campaign from the 80s
2: okay well we opened up the show with this so I'm going to go right back to the California Raisins
1: come on guys let's harmonize I've been hearing on the radio you did it well, hey, uh, oh sure <laughs> I mean, I love you guys For me I know a man ain't supposed to cry, but these tears I can't hold inside.
2: Animation raisins singing Marvin Gaye songs. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's let's throw that out there. The California raisins first appeared in 1986 in a sun-made commercial that, uh, similar to the milk thing, was paid for by the California Raisin Advisory Board. And after one of the ad writers in the, in the room famously said, We've tried everything but dancing raisins singing. I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> and it stuck? <laughs> And it worked, much to everyone's <laughs> surprise. The commercial and the characters became – they were huge. They were everywhere, right? I mean, there were, like, giveaways at fast food restaurants. There were lunch boxes, notebooks, pencil toppers, blah, 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 blah. Not only were they in the commercials, like I said, they spawned a primetime Emmy-nominated TV special called Meet the Raisins, which was like a mockumentary. <laughs> A, sh- a, a short-lived Saturday morning cartoon, only 13 episodes, and from the, t- from the titles, it looks like it was kind of a Fat Albert type thing where you're going to learn a valuable lesson. And four, four studio albums of music, what? mostly covers, one of which was a, a Christmas album, of course, got to do a Christmas album. And, and this campaign, much like Jen's milk campaign, it ran from 86 to 1998. Jeez. God. Yeah. Covering my face in horror, just listening to the story. <laughs> I have one tiny fun fact for you. The lead raisin, the lead singer raisin, was voiced by Buddy Miles, who probably kind of rude doing this, although I'm sure he was happy for the paycheck. He was a vocalist and a drummer who had performed with Jimi Hendrix, Carlos Santana, Parliament Funkadelic, and of course the California Raisins.
4: Oh my gosh. The term lead raisin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: really brings it home doesn't it (laughs) You really want that on your resume i'm
0: curious jen and gail you you both have children who are still of growing age do you feed them milk and raisins still
3: um i'm not a big fan of milk and my kids don't love it either so i'm not very good about enforcing that because i have really bad memories of growing up and being forced to drink it and i just think oh yeah i just makes me sick just thinking about it so I I try, but not very hard.
2: <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah. What do your children eat with their cold cereal?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Like my son, needs <laughs> it dry. He doesn't like it. None of them like are big milk cereal fans. <laughs> They'll either God. just. Have, I, oh I'll gosh. actually put in my cereal. I just want it to be like wet enough that it's not dry, but like I like I never drink like the residue of the sugary residue at the bottom of the
1: bowl.
2: Oh. I just, oh, oh, oh. my God. Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> a bowl of cold, cold cereal in the morning is just the best. Oh, I love oh, cold cereal. Yuck. Wow. So, so to your family, a bowl of raisin bran would
0: probably be the worst evil on earth.
3: Well, they don't mind raisins. <laughs> raisins are fine, but no. Okay. Sorry. It does not do this body good.
0: <laughs> I not know. I think I drank a half gallon of it yesterday. I was just sitting there. Oh by the my bell. gosh. Wow.
3: It was skim. A lot. It was
0: skim, but it was oh well. But, it was a okay. lot. It was a lot of milk. I, for some reason, when the weather turns cold, that's all. That's all I want to drink. So,
4: yeah. No, I love. I love milk, and my daughter is, has has also loves milk, and we'll just <laughs> at the dinner table. You will all often hear like depending on especially what the meal is because if it's like spaghetti or meatloaf, something like that, that really makes the milk even milkier. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> the noises the we make thing. are just oh, ridiculous. <laughs> Out of milk, joy—it's kind of the uh, opposite of Gail's family, yeah. I think.
2: You guys ever, Jen? Yeah. Where are you on raisins, Jen?
4: Oh, fine. <laughs> They're like nature's candy. <laughs> yeah, my daughter never bought that. She's like,
3: mm, no.
0: No, how
2: about some actual candy?
0: Yeah, Gail, you're up. Give us a uh, popular ad campaign from the eighties that you connected with.
3: Well, mine also deals with things that go into the body, but do not make a body good. So I chose the <laughs> PSA campaign. Podcasts? This is Your Brain on Drugs, which was created and paid for by the Partnership for a Drug Free America, and it aired in 1987.
1: Is there anyone out there who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay, last time.
2: This is your brain. This is
3: drugs. This is your brain on drugs.
2: Any questions?
3: So you guys probably remember this commercial. There's a guy He's standing okay. in this kind of nondescript looking kitchen. He looks like kind of like a cop or a guidance counselor or somebody who's going to like scare you straight. And he goes, all right, all right. <laughs> for those of you who still don't get it or something like that. And then he goes, this is your brain. And he holds up an egg and then he takes a frying pan and he goes, this is drugs. And the frying pan is hot. And then he cracks the egg in the frying pan and the egg starts to fry. And he goes, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And that's the whole campaign. There was a 30 second. There was like a 15 second, which just had the egg and the voiceover. It started airing in 1987, and I was kind of curious as I started doing research, like, who is the Partnership for Drug-Free America? I didn't, never, never even knew what it was. It's a New York City-based nonprofit that runs campaigns to prevent teenage drug and alcohol abuse in the U.S. So, Ad is clearly aimed at kids, and um, it used the goal – it was trying to scare people. So, it didn't provide any information. Yeah. It didn't provoke any dialogue. Hmm. It just was. In, it, it just had this hope that if you scared kids, they would just watch that ad and go, "Oh, I guess I shouldn't do drugs."
2: I just say no. Oh, this is probably before Just Say No.
3: No, no, I think it was after. This is just after Just Say No. no, say no, no. Is, no this, this is, is after, after. Yeah, Just Say No. After, after. right? The American Egg Board not a fan because they thought kids were going to watch this and think eggs were bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: man we're covering all the breakfast foods we got milk we got eggs
3: so um yeah did you guys think this was an effective campaign (laughs) well i was a kid when this came out uh sort of
4: pre-teeny and i never really got the seriousness of it like i never i never quite understood what to do or not at least just say no is a very clear directive like just if someone says do you want drugs then you know what to say but this always confused me like I got that it was that we we were meant not to take drugs like I understood that much but I was also like I don't okay like it, it really didn't it, did, it didn't It did make me think if I take drugs yeah. my brain will get scrambled like yeah. I never yeah. got that It
2: seemed a little glib to me and does still and obviously that's kind of what they were going for is that one note but I'm like uh, really right? <laughs> made me want to go to Waffle House
0: that was about it
3: <laughs> I know was, eggs are great. <laughs> there was actually a remake of this uh, in 2017. The commercial's called Fried Egg. And they basically ran through the same thing and at the end they said any questions. And then the ad continues and it has a bunch of kids asking very reasonable questions about drugs. Like are prescription drugs just as dangerous as uh you know as illegal oh, gosh. drugs That's- or Wow. That's very, my daughter just asked me me that question. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 2017. And then, you know, the final question in the commercial was like, Mom, Dad, did you ever do drugs? And I thought it was like such a better ad because it was much more realistic and honest and said, Yeah, there's kids are going to have a lot of questions and they're curious about this. And this is not you know, a problem that you can just simply say, don't do drugs are bad for you, but you have to provoke dialogue. So I thought that was a good, um, actually a good remake. And they took some of, some of the good from the eighties and then they updated it for a much more savvy crowd of teenagers.
0: So so I have to ask, I'm the only one here who doesn't have kids. Have all of your kids at some point yet asked you whether or not you guys did drugs when you were younger?
3: Yes.
2: Um, have my kids asked me that? I've probably volunteered the information because the answer so boring.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Mine is almost 10 and she hasn't yet. She's
0: probably a little too young to ask that question. Probably.
4: I think so. I think so. It's coming though.
0: I, I, don't think, yeah. I don't think I needed to see a fried egg to not want to do drugs. All I needed to do was see the story about um, Lynn Bias, the University of Maryland oh, basketball yeah, player sure. who – died after from cocaine overdose overdose after one use one I think every friend right. I ever had that was all they needed to see they were just like okay that's it
3: I don't know kids today I've got two sophomores and they are very savvy about drugs they uh, we live in DC where pot is legal and um, it's very easy for kids these and certainly in DC to get it and so we talk about it a lot and we talk about it very openly and, you know, they, my kids are not interested in doing it and they haven't done it and they, it's not something that they personally want to try, but it's everywhere in their schools and most people they know do it. So we have found that the best way to, to do, to deal with it is to make it a very open topic That we can express why we do not want them to do it rather than just saying, you know, don't pull the, rather than sort of pulling the wool over our eyes and just saying, you know, it's bad, that's it.
4: Have you tried taking out a frying pan?
3: (laughs) And like,
0: (laughs) I was just going to say that.
3: Throwing some eggs in there. I just, I feel like uh, my kids are away this weekend, but I feel like if they'd been here, I would have shown them this ad. Maybe I'll do that tonight and just say, "How do you? How would you respond to this if you saw this on TV? Like, what would you think?" And I'm sure they would say they thought it was totally stupid. Agreed, I thought so too at the time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, you know, (laughs) to continue the theme of things you shouldn't put into your body, (laughs) I give you the Bartles and James commercials from the early 1980s. Hello there. My name is Frank Bartles. And this is Ed
1: James. You know, it occurred to Ed the other day that between his fruit orchard and my premium wine vineyard, we could make a truly superior premium grade wine cooler. It sounded good to me, so Ed took out a second on his house and wrote to Harvard for an MBA, and now we're preparing to enter the wine cooler business. We will try to keep you posted on how it's going. Thank you very much for your support.
2: Okay, who remembers these? Everyone remembers these, right? Oh, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I may not have done drugs, but I definitely did some <laughs> wine coolers back in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Ernest and Julio Gallo uh,
0: winery is the uh, criminal at case here who gave us wine coolers. These started, I believe, in 1981. But the campaign that features uh, Frank Bartles and Ed James Started in 84 and lasted all the way to 1991. And it usually used the pair of, uh, oh, should we call them farmers, southern gentlemen? What other (laughs) nice phrases can I come up with? (laughs) Old dudes. People in overalls. Exactly. Uh, On a front porch telling stories about the creation of the wine coolers or introducing a new flavor. And can anyone remember who was the one who talked and who was the one who would just nod? No. Nope. Frank. Frank was the talker, Ed was the nodder. The characters were allegedly patterned on the wineries. Founders, Ernest and Julio. And I think this was a trivia question one year on the 80s cruise. What does the uh, what's the tagline that every commercial ends with? Come on, someone say it.
2: Oh, and thank, and thank you, you for, you for no your support. support.
0: Yeah. So very homey. Uh <laughs> I was never a fan of wine coolers. I think that they tasted like – the first swig would be like, okay, that's interesting. But by the time you finished the bottle, you kind of felt like you'd ingested some battery acid.
2: Well, I mean, it was a, a friendlier option than you know a crummy, cheap beer maybe. Probably didn't have access to much more than those two choices. Unless yeah, you I, know, I have a history question. Unless I was raiding my parents' <laughs> liquor cabinet.
4: I have a history question. So these days, hard seltzer is popular, but with adults too – at right. the time, was wine coolers really for teenagers, or were adults drinking them too? Uh,
2: I
0: don't.
4: I so knew a lot of teenagers that were drinking them.
2: That's a really good question. I just from my own perspective, my parents didn't drink wine coolers.
3: Yeah, mine e- either. Yeah, I think mine, I think that's true.
2: Do we have any old people that listen to our podcast? <laughs> no. If so, write in and well, tell us. Sadly, we're all old
0: <laughs> now.
4: I think older is what you meant.
0: <laughs> Therein yeah. lies the humor. Senior citizens. Mm-hmm. We've all picked two. So, Jen, what's your other pick for a uh, memorable ad campaign from the 80s?
4: Well, I have an anecdote, antidote. <laughs> <Aha! laughs> I Can you an an, these words? An, it's both an, an anecdote. It's a friendly antidote. bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> it is both an anecdote and an antidote to your wine coolers, which is coffee. So, this is something that uh, this is a campaign that they called Coffee Achievers.
1: You are the new American society, the movers and the shakers. Hold on to your dream. You are the new coffee generation. Because coffee is the calm moment that lets you think. Coffee gives you the time to dream it. Then you're ready to do it. No other drink
4: does that like
1: coffee. To your dream. Join the coffee achievers.
4: Unfortunately, on a podcast, you cannot see the montage of 80s greatness that is the Coffee Achievers commercial. Glorious. Um, It's so fantastic. So I'll just tell you some of the stars that were in it, right? Uh, David Bowie, Hart, ELO, Cicely Tyson, Jane Curtin, a football person named Ken Anderson. (laughs)
2: football
4: person (laughs) and then kurt vonnegut who evidently was in his 60s at the time and another thing vonnegut
1: i'm gonna stop payment on a check
4: the whole idea was that so this commercial came out around 1984 and it was the national coffee association trying to make coffee seem hipper and and you know cool to a younger generation because they were concerned that young adults weren't um picking up the coffee habit of their parents that that it was like an old person's drink which is so funny to hear about Boy. like post yeah, naps right to think
2: about that yeah right
4: that was the whole idea was like let's show people doing cool exciting things so you've got just as one example you've got the um the wilson sisters during a recording like doing mixing but they're dr- they're in a studio right drinking mugs of coffee and i'm just like <laughs> Wow, that looks so cool and fun. <laughs> and then Cicely Tyson is, is acting, which I think that one seems more appropriate. But the David <laughs> Bowie clip is, is literally from his, his, uh, his concert at the time. Uh, what was the album? It was, um, Modern Love. So it was part of the Modern Love video. I'm pretty sure it was just like yeah. his agent saying, yeah, you can have this clip for whatever many millions of dollars that David Bowie can get for this ad. But it was it, it was bizarre, and I remember watching it as a kid. I must have been, I don't know, nine or ten, um eight or nine, actually a little bit younger. and to me, like everybody who's over sixteen is like an old person to me, and I just assumed everyone just drank coffee, and I always thought it was U ban that they were drinking because I remember that commercial really well, even though I, I think the t- <laughs> I think I would never drink U- ban ever. I thought that's what adults did. they just drank. And drank U Ben. But I mentioned ELO earlier. The song is uh Hold on Tight to Your Dreams. That was the music playing behind all these montages of people doing so cool things and drinking coffees. So good. But, oh my gosh. This is from the, their
2: wonderful album Time. Oh. Love that album. Love that song.
4: Yeah, I um but the whole like the as I describe the different components, as it all comes together, I just find it one of the most eighties and one of the weirdest commercial campaigns i have ever seen <laughs> i've never even heard of this campaign Just, really oh my yeah. gosh it, it used to be on in the evening a lot i remember i
2: remember seeing it on saturday mornings late like when american bandstand was about
4: to come on oh interesting i remember it during the like nbc block like um uh night rider A like team, like around okay. that yeah that's when i remember yeah. seeing it a lot it
3: was on a lot god i i'm gonna look this up i've never even heard of it
4: Oh, it's
2: so the good. The movers, the shakers.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's so great. It's interesting that we've got, so far we've got three commercials that are basically paid for by some board, whether it's, you know, like the coffee board or the raisin board or the milk board or whatever.
4: Right, right.
2: Selling commodities more than products. Huh. Okay, Brad, what's your second uh, ad campaign of the 80s? Well, after I talk about commodities instead of products, I guess some people might think of this as a commodity. My second one is new Coke. Yes! 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 Is this a private party, or can any score crash? So, new Coke is catching on. The taste is better and newer than. than, than, than. Oh, you said the p word. So, what I want to know is if you're drinking Coke. Who's drinking Pepsi? If you can't beat it, catch the wave. Coke, it. So I think we can all agree that 1985's new Coke launch was a bit of a disaster. Coke Classic was back on the shelves within three months. This kind of messed up the marketing people because they had this whole campaign built around the best just got better. But when you just brought back your old product, you can't really talk about the betterness of your new product because then you're crapping on your old product that everyone loves and you're in the middle of running this campaign tying Coke to America, like Coke White and Blue or something like that. I don't even remember. But uh, in 1986, the Coke guy said, hey, let's get Max Headroom out in front of an ad campaign that's targeted at the Pepsi-preferring youth market. Max Headroom came along stuttering his uh, delivery, as always, to catch the wave, Spearsy. As he talked to his fellow Cokeologists,
0: I don't. I don't get that. Was what, was that really what the kids preferred to drink back then? I. I just. I always drank Coke,
2: and well, never once for a, a
0: second thought about.
2: You have always been an outlier, Steve Spears. <laughs>
0: no, well, I'm in the South, and in the South we call soda Coke. So yes, but and I know Michael J. Fox tried to do what he could with Pepsi, but. I never thought it was much of a choice. You either you went to a restaurant and they either had Coke or Pepsi. You took whatever they had. It wasn't like it
2: was a uh, someone came out there holding two bottles, you know, like next yes, to each other. Track. You have today, sir. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right. When you're out, you you take what they offer. And I don't think I can't think of any time when I said, "Well, I I don't want to go eat there because they have Pepsi fountains. I would rather have Coke." But uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that. that was the research at the time, and so they brought in Max Headroom because he was a uh, down with the kids. The campaign was actually successful and ran through ran for a couple of years.
4: I think that I do recall Pepsi being kind of the younger Cola, like the upstart cola. I kind of do remember that. Oh yeah. Huh. I mean that that said, when I go to a restaurant and they and I ask for Coke and they
3: say Pepsi, okay, I'm always like, oh, fine. You know, like
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not excited
3: about it. <laughs> yeah, I always think of Pepsi as kind of the the, the underdog, the number two, the one that's always clamoring, right. the one yeah. that, you know, when Pepsi did, remember the Pepsi challenge when you had, yeah. did, you know, they did the blind taste test and Pepsi won, but like the, you know, golden rule of advertising is if you're number one, you don't mention the competitor. And if you're number two, then you can take on the competitor to try to wheedle your way in. And so yeah. I always thought that Coke was sort of in the pole position and just was, the granddaddy of soda. And so when they came out with this right. and had that big, very famous stumble with New Coke, it just seemed to me that they didn't, it was an unnecessary step for them to have taken. And it certainly did not pay off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. to Think back on, Famous Pepsi commercials—it's Michael Jackson setting his hair on fire. Now think back on famous Coke commercials—you've got, you know, I've like—I'd like to teach yeah. the world to sing and Mean, mean Joe, Joe Green, Green. Yeah. and you know, and stuff like this. So it just—I don't know if they just have better agencies yeah. or what.
3: But, but uh, Madonna they was have Pepsi a, too. Was Michael J. Fox also? Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned right. that, Steve. That wasn't he doing that commercial where he's trying to bring the neighbor a Pepsi or something?
2: That's right. Got that a yeah. beer commercial. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, now very I just want to be like beer for eighth graders. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite new Coke conspiracy theory was that the formula was changed intentionally, and they thought, oh, consumers will will be angry and they'll demand the return of the original, and then we'll bring it back and and sales will go crazy. And the president of the company responded to that by saying, "We're not that dumb, and we're not that smart."
3: <laughs> wow, that's good. That's, that's great. good answer. That's really I, I smart. Was
2: brilliant. Yeah.
0: Gail, it's your turn. What's your second uh, memorable advertising campaign of the 80s?
3: I don't think you can do a show about memorable campaigns without talking about Wendy's.
1: It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Why is the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of buns. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call the single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's
3: the beef? I don't think there's anybody back
1: there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people.
3: I think this is maybe one of the most famous of all commercials that came out of the 80s. This is the famous Where's the Beef commercial where you had three women... Older women in a very strange looking fast food restaurant examining a hamburger that was placed on on a plate in front of them. And the message is that Wendy's single hamburger has more meat in it than a McDonald's or a Burger King Whopper or, I guess, Quarter Pounder. The thing is, there's this massive bun both sides of the bun top and bottom and they lift up the top of the bun and they're talking about, it's a very big bun. It's a very big squishy bun. And there's this tiny little hamburger inside the bun. And then the famous line is Clara Peller, the actress, an 81 year old woman from Chicago looks at the hamburger and goes, (laughs) where's the beef? I have to say that I still laugh when I see this commercial. Yeah. Like it's just funny. I read some backstory about this. So Initially, they were going to have a young couple doing it. There was actually an earlier version of of this campaign, an earlier installment of this campaign that had kind of a middle-aged guy. And then they were going to do a young couple, and they just didn't think it was funny. And they brought in these three women, and it just rocketed to the stratosphere as far as like consumer awareness. It actually led to a 31% rise in Wendy's sales in 1985, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this commercial aired in... Well, they got their
2: money's I, worth out of that.
3: They did. The commercial aired in 84, and their sales were up 30% in 85. She was a manicurist, Clara Peller, for a... like She had been hired to do nails on a TV shoot, and that's how she got discovered, which I thought was really cool. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's Oh, awesome. that's fantastic. Yeah. And she actually had emphysema, and the, could really only say those three words like at a time she couldn't do like a big long script It was originally supposed to say, where is all the beef, but she could only get out. Where's the beef. So she said, where's the beef. And then she got to be incredibly famous. And she actually went on to do other commercials after she did the Wendy's ad. And she did a commercial for Prego pasta sauce saying, I found it. I really found it, which was alluding back to the beef from the other commercial after she did that Wendy's decided like maybe the campaign had run its course because they didn't want like other people <laughs> capitalizing on this campaign so that was the end of the uh, where's the beef commercial but you were talking about the California Raisins and all of the uh, marketing and and merchandising that came from that so where's the beef spawned a bumper stickers frisbees clothing patches and a Milton Bradley game <laughs> which i'm sure was really bad
2: oh my gosh
4: that's if amazing if anyone
3: if anyone owned that game please write in and tell us what is that game (laughs) i should have done an ebay search to see if anyone's selling it so doing that right now (laughs) this (laughs) ad to me is like steve i think i know what you might be doing for your second ad so i won't steal your thunder there but i think that those two were like just the most famous of all 80s commercials
0: oh yeah definitely
2: yeah. It was
3: on t shirts. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
3: It even made its way into the political arena. So I guess during a debate, um, Mondale was debating Gary Hart in 1984, and even he was like talking about Gary Hart's policy proposal. And he's like, Where's the beef? <laughs> I mean, people were you know, <laughs> come it for all kinds of other purposes. Claire Peller died in nineteen eighty-seven. So she lived for three years after this commercial aired.
0: I don't know if it's the time of day that we're recording the show, but like after every presentation, now I really want to go buy a burger, wash it down with some Bartles and James and then have some milk in my coffee at the end of the day.
3: And some raisins. And some raisins.
0: <laughs> and some raisins. Nature's candy. Yeah, it's, I don't Just don't do so. any drugs. That's true. Because if I did, it would remind me of the last ad campaign we're going to talk about today. This is the famous 1984 commercial from Apple Computer. we <laughs> celebrate
1: anniversary of the information purification directives. We have created for the first time in all history a garden of pure ideology where each worker may bloom secure from the pests of contradictory force. Our unification as a force is more powerful a weapon than any fleet or army on earth. We are one people with one will. One resolve, one cause. Our enemies shall talk themselves to death, and we will bury them with our own conviction. Ah! We shall prevail. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like
4: 1984.
0: As Gale alluded, this has got to be one of the top two or three commercials from the decade. Would everyone agree with that for the most part?
4: It's iconic, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It has a lore to itself. So it was the idea of Steve Jobs to come up with a commercial to introduce Apple's new Macintosh computer, and he wanted it to be a memorable commercial. And I think he succeeded in that. He took inspiration from George Orwell's book, 1984, and the company created this amazing commercial it's rumored that it only aired once on TV. Not exactly true. It aired only once nationally, and that was on uh, Super Bowl Sunday okay. on January twenty second, 1984, and during the third quarter. Steve Jobs would later brag that more people will remember the commercial than the score of the game, which is largely true, although I will say the Raiders did win 38-9 to over the Washington Redskins. That was the first Super Bowl that was ever played in Tampa where I grew up. Mm, so okay. we watched every second of it because we were just like... Any second you could catch a glimpse of, oh, I know where that is. Oh, they're showing the, the beach of Clearwater. Oh, they're showing the high-rises in Tampa. It also aired locally at a TV station in Twin Falls, Idaho in December so that the ad would qualify for all the year-end awards. Oh, That's, funny. So there we go. It's like a short uh, Oscar,
2: uh, Oscar run to get it into contention.
0: Right. If you ever kind of wondered how the George Orwell estate – thought of the commercial. Well, they sued Apple for copyright <laughs> for copyright infringement, and that is considered to be one of the real reasons why Apple only aired it once. There are other rumors that the Apple board of directors was not happy with the Macintosh computer that um it was it cost too much money to produce, it didn't meet its sales projections, and they didn't want to keep continue to keep airing a commercial that was promoting a product that they pretty much had lost faith in already you can believe what you want to believe on that for some reason lately i'm addicted to movies about apple computer and steve jobs in, in those days uh the michael fassbender one is on netflix right now i believe it's an okay one and it talks a little bit about the ad and it talks about apple rolling out its various products over the years did, did anyone here own an apple computer in the 80s or a macintosh no sir Yes. Oh, wow. You had a Mac?
3: I had... I think it was an Apple... Was it an SE or Apple II or something? I don't think it...
0: Apple II. No, I did have yeah. a Mac
3: by the end of the 80s. Yes, I had a Mac in college.
0: I had an Apple II clone <laughs> called the Franklin Ace 1200 or something like that. <laughs> oh. And yeah. I think they got Sexy. the pants... They got the pants suit off of them too, but that computer lasted me for all of high school and all of college and then a couple years beyond that, so... I've only ever seen one Macintosh in person, like the original one, yeah our school newspaper in college, the front page designer got to use the only Mac that we had in the building <laughs> to design the front page. It's so <laughs> funny. there's
3: that font um that Macintosh used, and I feel like when I see that font on a screen, it takes me back to college like it was very yeah. distinctive. the whole desktop, the whole like sort of way that Apple reconfigured how we organized files and how we you know sort of interacted with the computer that just uh to me that is definitely very reminiscent of my college experience i have a question for you guys i'm thinking over the the list of ads that we just talked about i think that the apple ad is the only ad that does not feel like an 80s ad like the rest of these feel dated and and they definitely sort of are just reminiscent of the era, but I feel like if you saw that Apple ad today, with the exception of the product, it it could pass. Like I think it it could be something we would expect to see on TV now. Does anyone agree or disagree with that? Oh yeah, well, for sure.
2: We certainly we certainly have our own uh, plenty of dystopias to reflect against now too. So yes. the the setting would be familiar. Right.
4: I'm going to have a light disagreement and just say her silky shorts would pull me out and remind <laughs> me. that it. But that's just my 80s eagle eye. I don't think anyone else would uh, consider that to be an 80s um, flashback.
2: It is kind of funny to think that at the time, the big competition that Apple was saying is going to take over is IBM.
4: Yeah. What are they doing IBM? these days? <laughs>
0: that's a good point. They won. It just took them a little longer than everyone thought they would.
4: I just want to pause for a moment in our conversation and remind everyone, if you haven't watched it already, Halt and Catch Fire.
0: I'm still trying to finish up the final season of that. Oh, so good. I'm also recommitted to watching The Americans.
4: Oh, good for you. I want to rewatch, I think.
0: So all, all of your TV suggestions that are about 80s based series, I'm doing them it's just taking me a little longer to She's get It's taking you it. an
4: entire decade. It's okay. <laughs> well, I just,
0: you know, some things do, you know age better than others and for whatever reason I wasn't ready to watch the Americans when it was on TV but I I like to binge things you know especially my cocaine and coffee so
4: <laughs> and wine coolers
0: <laughs> no not wine coolers even even I have to draw the line somewhere hey that's all the time we have for this week if you have memorable ad campaigns that you remember from our beloved decade please write us at podcast at 80scom we swear we're ready we're geared up to do a part two But in the meantime, Gail, Jen, Brad, and myself remain here, hopelessly Stuck in the 80s.
2: Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Anyone want to say something before I go into this background stuff? Just happy to be here. Hope I can help out the pod.
3: Nope. <laughs>